Welcome to the podcast. Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. Uh, I just came back. Carl, hey, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. I just came back from the uh, graveyard in the McKinney McKinney household. It's on the McKinney property, and uh, it's not a literal graveyard. No. Are you waiting for somebody to jump in? I'm waiting for somebody to come in. Give you the context. Clarify. Yeah. So, so Luke. It's not going to be Luke unless you ask him a direct (laughs) question. He will let you continue to just set him up and set him up and set him up. He's not even, he's drinking water while yep. I'm talking. He's just going to watch you. Uh, <laughs> so Luke is taken to exterminating the mole population. Actually exterminate, he's, he's diminishing the mole population. I'll be surprised if he's actually successful at exterminating it. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. At the rate that I'm going? I don't think I don't, you know how many moles are out there. I don't think you know how committed I am to this genocide. <laughs> this is... No, I know how committed you are. I just know that there's a lot more where those came from. Good. And he's been uh, uh, basically stabbing them out of the ground. Is is that the that that's the way you're doing it? He so just waits for the ground to move, and then he stabs it. We've had moles here from day one, right? And we moved mm-hmm. in in 2012. And I've tried the poisonous worms. I've tried the poisonous granules. I've mm-hmm. tried the little traps that squeeze. It just and, doesn't work. And zero dead moles in 10, 11 years. You haven't killed any moles? None. Surely you've... Sh- nope. Maybe some of the moles have probably no, died. No, the only you- mole we killed was an accident because Colin found a baby that was already struggling <laughs> and he just wanted to struggling save it. to live. And yeah. it died after about an hour. Yeah. That's it. That's the only Squeaky. dead mole we've seen. Yeah, that one has an actual grave marker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one has a shrine erected to him. So well, you I, know, the reason that you have moles is because there's grubs. That's what people tell me. They tell me if I kill the grubs, the moles will go away. Right. But that seems... That's probably an even harder, more daunting task. And there's even more grubs than moles, I would it, say. It is daunting, and it's it's too kind to these rodents, in it's my what? opinion. It's too kind. It's too to kind. The yes, because they yep. have utterly destroyed my yard, and I take pleasure in... in Using my bare hands to kill them. Right. You think that they're they're not aware. They're not doing it maliciously. They've had their run. They, their <laughs> reign not, is, is coming to an end. They're not, it's not personal for them. It is on my side. But it is for side. you. Yes. Okay. So I, I saw, I stumbled across somebody. Uh, it was a Facebook video of this exterminator guy who is an interesting character. But he, yeah. he taught me how to how to locate them where they are in the real time, um, find their movement, and then he pulls them out of the ground with his bare hand. Right. But I haven't, you know, got the... I've worked that. myself up to doing it's that. It's kind of like those guys that stick their holes in the... It's a lot like that. The, <laughs> the catfish, catfish yeah. holes 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just said stick their holes in the... <laughs> stick their hands. Not their holes. They stick their hands in the hole. It's <laughs> similar to noodling. Right? Yeah. Where they stick their hands in the hole in the riverbank and they let the catfish bite them. There's a similar... And then they pull them out. Similar level of, of lunacy and patience and... Can you do, can you get moles that way? Could you like stick your finger down the mole hole and wait for him to bite it? No, I don't. I don't think so. Drag him out. I don't think so. You'd have okay. to have small fingers. A few years ago, I was doing war with the Japanese beetles mm-hmm. in our yard, and I saw a diminished population when I put the. Uh, I forget what they're called. Nematodes. Nematodes. I think mm-hmm. they're like little wormy things little microscopic worms that you put down in the ground and then these the the grubs for the japanese beetles go along and they eat your grass roots you know and that and they kill your grass but then they eat these little nematodes when they're and then they it just destroys them they they die and then more nematodes come out of the dead grubs so it has it sort of has a way of reseeding and multiplying the nematodes in the ground so you outsourced the dirty work i outsourced to to tiny microscopic worms yes and it's supposed to last for like 20 some years until we, we learn that nematodes cause cancer or something and now then. supposedly they are utterly harmless to people <laughs> and pets so here's the thing that happened this week. I'm thinking of this because I'm I put a box in front of my husband to try to bring the microphone closer to his mouth. And it seems to work. I think he's It is closer to his mouth, but he just doesn't project. Like he his voice is like five bars lower than both of ours at all times. Right. You need to work on that, Luke. He just do, talks if you're gonna so do soft. comedy, you have to project. He talks so softly. I don't have to take this. Oh, he's leaving. <laughs> Why is he leaving? I'm not sure. I think it was for dramatic oh, effect for, on an audio podcast. Yeah, you can't, you can't yank the headphones off and storm away in an audio podcast. No one can see you. You can see me. You, so, you get my point. But I was just thinking about like the fact that this week a friend of a friend posted on Facebook mm-hmm. and it was a picture of her watch and she said that she was in the room or she was in the car (laughs) rather. She was in the car and got a phone call from a friend from an old friend, an old friend from Indiana Mm -hmm. and that her watch during the conversation alerted her to a high decibel (laughs) warning. Like you should be careful because continuing to be in this environment with this level of noise can damage your hearing. Right. And as soon as she said, I love friends from Indiana I knew exactly who it was. It was your Aunt Bonnie. It was my direct relative. Yep, it was my mm-hmm. baby sister, Bonnie. That makes sense. And has... I just need Luke to try to channel just even a fraction of that energy. A tenth of Bonnie. Here's the thing. I don't, I don't talk good. I don't talk right. I can't. I, if I sing loud <laughs> for like 45 seconds, like really loud, my voice like starts to go away. So I'm not doing it properly. You're not doing it's it correctly. my assessment. Huh. So you're, you start to lose your voice. I do. It starts to like, that's hurt. probably because you're squeezing from your neck. Probably. And not from your I said, I don't do it right. Diaphragm. You so have to breathe deeply and to project from, from yeah. down here, not from up here, not it just up here. Passes over your vocal cords. Not up, not up in your throat. You're not trying to make a, you're not, but you've got to talk from down in your guts and, and support it 
from down in the I'm, I, we don't have really time to give him a, yeah. a voice I feel like it might right be a, it might be a good return on investment I think Carl <laughs> has been waiting to hear what Luke has to say for many years and they constantly uh, he constantly has to turn up the volume for Luke's very brief portion right of the and podcast. then we come back we in come in and blow their eardrums out which is what it's like when my sister's in the room right it's just it's just loud just think loud thoughts just think there's people that are on the other side of the table that want to be able to hear you. We don't want to have to put our ear up next to your lips <laughs> to no. hear what you're saying. I will we try don't. harder. <laughs> that felt weird. Pretend like somebody punched you in the gut. Ready, go. <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried made a whole career out of I think he has, doesn't he have vocal nodes? Didn't he end up with uh, like like uh, polyps Gilbert on his vocal Godfrey. cord? His whole voice is up here in the, in his yeah. throat and up in his nose. It worked for him. You're getting very sleepy. <laughs> You're very sleepy. That's Brian April's. Shout out to Brian That's April. That's Brian April's premise. <laughs> Gil- Gilbert to- Godfrey is a hypnotist. <laughs> One, two. You're not getting sleepy. <laughs> That's how he does it. Something like that. Right. But the... Uh, uh, learning how to speak. This is something you should do for your for stand up. <laughs> learn how to speak is learn how to project. Yeah, because there's going to be times when you don't have a microphone. Yeah, and you have to just yell at people. You have to just yell it into the room. So, all right, what are you doing now? I was looking Peach? up whether he had vocal issues later in oh. life, but I can't find that. Did he die? Is he dead? Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I should know that. I just sound. I just saw one article. I feel like he did. I feel, I feel like, like he, he did too. Like he passed. Oh, away. he did. Yeah, at sixty-seven. Yeah. So last year, actually, it's not very old. Died last year. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. All right. I so don't know what we're supposed to be talking about. We have friends coming over in thirty minutes. A couple of things that we could talk about. We're having um, games and tacos, so we better make this quick. Whatever very pithy, important thing we can, we're going to talk about. We can about. talk about building a comedy career around uh, getting divorced. We could talk. Uh. We could talk about the misunderstandings that people have about uh, joking about something when you're actually not joking about it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody's trying to build a career out of their hot mess life i think that's just the world that so many women live in on social media that Mm -hmm. like they don't know that that's not normal anymore or that it shouldn't be and so like we literally have pictures on instagram of women who are models right who are like showing us their bare face you know with or or they've got makeup like running down their face because it's just so hard and depression is so hard and anxiety is so real and it's so important that we talk about these things well you i'm going to show you what i look like when i have not gotten out of bed for four days right and so that's where it comes from where they people then post what about people posting pictures of where did that picture even come from? Uh, when a when a divorced woman has a picture of she and her husband posing, and I guess they were 
Where did, where did it even come from? It was... Just an old picture? I'm assuming so. And the, and the joke was, people asked why I got divo- why I got divorced. No clue. And so, and I didn't really understand the picture. Well, like, the uh, there two was of them another, looking dumpy, that's looked, the reason they had to get divorced? They both looked sad. Yeah, they both had their guts. Put, they were pushing out their guts. Post- but the, their the guts. other picture that was posted by that same person a few weeks ago was even more... It was basically just a riff on the same joke. I put that in air quotes because um, she had she was holding up a T-shirt from, you know, six or seven years before. They, she was holding up a T-shirt in the store that said, I would rather, we're never going to, how did it go? Something like divorce is not as cheap as homicide or something like that. It, it was a, And so it was a T-shirt that they had held up before their divorce. And she's like, some people ask if there were signs. And I just tell them. Maybe, you know, or something like that. Right. And so that's that's what she's going for. Every time a picture pops up in memories, she wants to share them now and does not know a couth way to do that because there really isn't a couth way to continue trying to treat a person like they're your best friend when you won't be married to them anymore. <laughs> right. So it comes it comes from the same place as like the divorce cakes that women tried to make really cool for a while. It's like, listen... We don't need to be sad. This is a terrible thing already. So let's just try to insert some levity and some positivity and optimism into the whole thing. We should do away with divorced as a description anyway. It should just be failed at marriage. I'm not divorced. I failed at marriage. So we should just eliminate the word Because it doesn't really matter whose, quote, fault it was. It was, you know, if they left you, maybe you didn't pick pick right <laughs> well particularly since there's no fault divorce now and you literally don't right. even mm-hmm. have to name anyone who's at fault oh you're divorced oh i failed at marriage too so rather than yeah. what you're saying is rather than neither of you being at fault both of you are have failed that's what you're saying that's what i'm thinking yeah right well there's a which is contentious <laughs> even among church people because there's a large portion of congregations that are Ooh, it's like not that, successful at marriage. It's like that quote I shared with you right. earlier from Michael Foster that I found wonderful, where he said, um, specifically, I think it was aimed at all the singles and singles ministry, like the to avoid uh, pro, idolizing marriage, the pro yay rah rah singlehood, you know, because yeah, we want to avoid idolizing marriage, and the church is now being accused of like caring way too much or putting too much of a focus on On getting married and having children. Right. And so Michael Foster's quote was, um, a great way to avoid idolizing marriage is to get married. to get married. (laughs) That will will immediately, or very almost immediately, pull it down from its idol status. It will very quickly make things less godlike to you. Yeah. Well, I would, I would, I I get what he's saying, and I do appreciate the quote a way to tweak it would be to get married and then stay married. Mm. Yeah, that's true. A way to a, a way to avoid idolizing marriage is celebrating your fiftieth anniversary. Um, yeah, that doesn't really still have that doesn't have the same ring as his because the point I is I know, but I'm in the moment here. He's Peach. specifically I'm just taking a shot at those people who are like, "Listen, I'm going to stay single because Paul was single, and that's a totally legit I don't way to idolize marriage. live my life." While all of you people are obsessed with purity culture and obsessed with marriage and obsessed with like families, <laughs> I am going to be single, and I will Did you not hear her be, voice change. I will not be idolizing <laughs> Can't marriage. <miss> it. <laughs> 
And so she totally started changing her voice <laughs> after she was talking. I had to keep tweet. I had to keep dialing it up because neither one of you reacted at first. So I had to just keep. You had to digging you had to in there. Make it obvious for us lunkheads that you were trying yeah. to be funny. So there, there you have it. We have we have people who content creators, not just comedians, but we have content creators or people who spend way, 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 way too much time on TikTok and Instagram and social media. And they're trying to figure out how to present themselves to the world in a way that results in clicks and likes and followers. And so it's like, well, I have gotten a divorce. My husband and I failed at marriage, but that's a, that's a part of my reality. I have all these pictures. This is, this is my brand. Yes. Right. And so they're trying to find a way, you know, same with the people who struggle with depression or anxiety or whose houses are not well kept or who's, you know, who are not happy with their weight because they've kind of let their bodies go or whatever. They're trying to find a way to package all of that stuff in a way that makes them still cool. And it's really off-putting, particularly when we're dealing with something that God hates, which we're told he hates divorce. divorce. I just, it leaves a really bad taste in my mouth. And I was telling dad earlier that it's, it's one of those things where I think everybody has sort of a visceral reaction to it. See, I push back on that a little bit. I thought that, yeah, I thought that she, I thought that it was cool to reference your divorce and how you're a strong woman and storming on ahead well, and everything is, other divorced, everything is great. You don't need no man. Other divorced women might try to rally around that because they see what she's trying to do. And right. so they feel like they have to because because they are also trying to find a way to make their divorce something that's kind of interesting and edgy about them, you know? But, um, but I was saying that, like, most women are not, they're going to have sort of an ick about that whole thing, particularly not, not just, like, the fact of a failed marriage, but a you failed- You mean other married women- uh, well, right, and also divorce women. Do other divorce women not like not like each other? Um, if they're remarried, <clears throat> it's possible that they also they also are tired of this whole pro divorce thing. I'm calling it pro divorce. Like I know that most of the women would insist. No, no, I acknowledge that divorce is hard, and I'm just trying to redeem it. I'm just trying to make it, you know, something that's not. That, that doesn't mean the end of your life. It doesn't have to be the end of your life just because it was the right. end of your marriage. That's and why this conversation is always difficult because as soon as you say pro-divorce or something like that, then they'll argue with you. It's like, no, divorce, we're not pro-divorce. Nobody wants to be see divorce happen. But like you said, we're just trying to make the best of it. We're trying to find the bright side. It's like, right, that's what you do when you're pro something is you try to <laughs> you try to make it less uh, appalling. You to make it palatable. Right. It's like the same reason that people put like, matcha in their milkshakes or whatever it's not because the matcha tastes good it's because they're literally trying to like they they think it's a good thing for some reason and they're trying to force it down the throats of people who like cauliflower pizza would not who puts exist matcha in milkshakes <laughs> oh my god who puts matcha in milkshakes like regular milk like milkshakes with ice cream oh my gosh matching all the things was a thing like for a couple of years it's tapered off a bit but for like a solid year, everything had matcha in it. Every de- dessert, there was matcha cakes and matcha tea and matcha. Yes. Yes. So what if you put matcha in a divorce? Is that what they're trying to divorce do? Divorce is the matcha. And oh, so divorce is the matcha. They would yeah, but agree, matcha is actually healthy, even if it tastes bad. Right. Well, that's my point. Right. They would agree that it's something that doesn't taste good, divorce. 
But for some reason, they still see some good in putting it in sweet things or mixing it like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. They're treating divorce like it's a medicine for certain things. Maybe it's a it's a medicine for if the woman was in an abusive relationship or it's a medicine for if, you know, the man didn't hold up his end of the bargain or whatever. Right. And so that's why they keep trying to mix it with sweetness <laughs> and then handing it, serving it to people on the internet. Who aren't divorced. And I'm like, stop with the matcha. It's gross. Stop. It doesn't, it's bad. It tastes bad. So, uh -huh. but people really don't like, I mean, there's certain things that really are objectively disgusting. And, and what I was saying was it's similar to what homosexuality used to be and still is for people who are honest. There's like an, there's an ick. It's unnatural. And unless you have been thoroughly brainwashed it's, out of it, it's it's repulsive. It's repulsive. It's, it, it is. In, you are instinctively repulsed by it. Right. But unless you there had are people it who have built up a tolerance, yeah. there are people who have now seared their consciences, and so right. they and it's like I don't understand what the problem is. I don't understand. And where you can where you can see right, or where you can at least try to help them see the ick factor is if you just mention to them that. LGBTQ is not too terribly far away from pedophilia. And then you can watch them go, how dare you? And it's like, right, that is the way you used to feel about homosexuality, but your right. conscience is seared. You've been so conditioned. Take, so take that feeling that you have about pedophilia, and that's how I feel about homosexuality and pedophilia. So Right. And... Matcha. And matcha. And divorced and divorce. women who so. post crying pictures on Instagram <laughs> with their makeup running and the dishes in their sink and the laundry pile on the floor. Now, is there an equal equivalent? Are divorced men doing this? Or is this only women that you're um, seeing? Divorced men, I don't think, unless I'm way out of touch. But I don't see a whole lot of divorced men going, yay, well, glad to be I'll, free I'll of the old ball and chain. What I see from divorced men is the whole... The Imgatau, the whole marriage is bad for every man. What's Imgatau? The men going their own way. Mm -hmm. The, you know, marriage is a terrible idea for any man because it, society has made it so. I don't even see that. No. Because I'm not, I'm not in the same sphere. You going to open mic and having friends who are a whole bunch of like dive bar comics is really skewing your stats, I think. And you're, I'm not saying that's wrong. Like that's an actual part of the world. I'm just saying that like the men who are staying up until two in the morning, getting drunk and trying to make people, trying to make a room full of like six mm, people laugh. It's not laugh. the open mic. It's the whole growing red pill community. Divorce know, dykes. Do you know a Christian <laughs> man who was left by his wife who is doing that? Or man who still goes to church. Genuine question. I don't know any I guys, don't. even even non-Christians, I don't know any non-Christian guys who make a big deal out of their divorce and are constantly talking well, about... It's usually a source of shame for them because 80% right. of the time they were the one left. Right. The person who dragged them to court was the wife, and so they feel like... Well, even if they weren't, even if they got away from her and she was horrible and she was a shrew, it's not, it's just not manly to keep, to keep bringing it up about what an awful, terrible woman she was and why she got away. I do, oh, you know what? I take that back. I do know a guy. <laughs> I, yeah, I do too. I do know a guy. Uh, just took a moment. Who goes to our church, who still 
out of the blue will bring up his ex-wife and how awful she was. And it is Repulsive. putrid. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it doesn't make you go, ah, oh, what a great guy. It makes you go, man, what a, what a, well, wuss, what a crybaby wuss. Get over about, it already. We're not talking about bitter women. I'm not talking about women who are still mad at their exes. I'm talking about those who are trying to make it cool to still be, quote, friends with your ex. Right, but it's incoherent. I mean, it's like if you're if you're still okay with him, then why don't you it, patch up the relationship? Right, it may be incoherent, but I'm telling you that it is a significant portion of social media now. There's a, a large number of women who think it makes it okay for them to have been the one filing divorce. We have a great relationship as, now. Right? We're still best friends. That's it's what like, they well, say. Then you're psychotic. We why are you be, divorced? We couldn't be married. We couldn't make it work married, but we are still really great at posting things on Twitter that people like to retweet. And Stupid. so it's really great. Like we go out, we go out for dinner every now and then, and then we post the picture on social media and everybody is like, oh, it's so great to see you guys getting along. I feel like that is, uh, there, there are people who don't have children. There are people who don't have children, but they post pictures of their pets and they talk and they do stuff with their pets and they take their pets to see Christmas lights and stuff. And it's almost like, yeah, I just don't care about this because I have actual kids. And that's the way I feel about people who are just, we're just the best of friends and, oh, this crazy guy, boy, we get along. And it's like, yeah, I don't care about this because I'm I'm married and people who feel this way. Marriage. Yeah, people like feel this way should be married. And so what you're doing is just like, it's like taking a, it's like taking a dog to see the Christmas lights. I mean, I just, ugh, I don't care. Right. Well, what, you may not care, but for whatever reason, like all of the female friends that are, you know, hanging out on TikTok are, that's what they're getting is that's the right way to do it. The proper right. way to be divorced. But your point was that there's still a, there's still a base level repulsion for that. That we yes. are, that we are all people, despite what they say on social media, your point was that they're still intrinsically repelled by that. Uh, yes. We're, well, it's, it's complicated too. Women who are posting a whole bunch of, who want to be influencers on social media, the amount of dedication that it takes to actually generate a social media following these days, like you have to be constantly in front of a camera. And it's your job. It's your full-time yes. job. Yeah. Constantly yeah. shooting things and then editing them and then posting shorts and then also the long version and, you know, managing subscribers and things like that. Right. I mean, you're constantly on and and it's not like a studio saw that you had something to offer and they decided that they would do all of that legwork for you. They're going to make you a star and, and they're going to, you know, make you the face, but there's still going to be a machine of people behind you. No, right. you actually have to decide for yourself, I am a star. I am going to put myself out there and and people are going to like it. What I you have know? is super interesting. <laughs> and that takes a certain... Ugh arrogance Ugh. that is naturally repulsive. I know it does. And that's, that's exactly the reason that you've been frustrated with me in the past is because I don't do that. Mm -hmm. I saw somebody comment on a, a thing today that the, the person, the parent who doesn't have custody is the one who will post all of the pictures with the child. Every time they're together, they'll post a picture on social media. And I think that that is <laughs> part of that true. psychology. That's probably there. True. It's like, ah, look at me, super parent. But the parent who's in the trenches every day doesn't feel the need to get those kind of... It's right. not that they the don't have the need. Yeah, they don't have the time. Exactly, exactly. Right. If you're making food and shuttling child around and helping with homework... Okay, and kids, gather around for a selfie. I just... Did I not just <laughs> say, I just bathed the five-year-old 
not two out hours ago. Digging in the mole. And he went out because he wanted to show us, look, here's where the mole goes in, right here and here. And he goes, I need something to, aha, perfect. Perfect. It's a massive a stick. stick that he jams Look down at all in the there. dirt on the sidewalk. I know. <laughs> so somebody, somebody's going like to have to Somebody threw sweep. a grenade in your yard. Somebody's going to have to sweep that sidewalk. It's going to be Luke or I. Somebody's going to have to re Put the dirt back in the hole. That's do you want me to take some video while you do that and put it out on Facebook? <laughs> Honestly, I've thought about that before. I've thought about the fact that the world could probably use some examples of what real stay-at-home parenting looks like. But as soon as you do that, it's not real stay-at-home parenting. Right. Well, as soon as you do that, it it takes away a certain dimension. But especially right. if you're the person, if the person who's being the stay-at-home parent is also trying to set up the tripod and right. capture those moments. Well, that was that's the whole problem with reality quote unquote television. Right. Isn't it? I mean, you got this whole crew following these people around capturing stuff and it, it's, right. it's like and there's no way to get away from that. There's no way that it ever No, I is would going say, to look I would real. say the closest that we can get to actual real life is if we set up this recorder in the middle of our dining room and just record for an hour once a week and see what happens. And so occasionally you'll hear the kids in the background or I'll have to jump up and go and, you know, discipline somebody. But, but other than that, like to actually see how, how do we make dinner while there are children playing underfoot and, you know, somebody's trying to do homework. Theoretically, what you'd have to do is put a camera and a recording device in every room of the house and then have it all streamed constantly to a hard drive and then, but then you'd still have to go and edit it. You'd still have to. You couldn't right. just clip out a random hour. There would be a lot of child nudity. There would. <laughs> yeah. There would be that. Yeah, I think Tim tried to do that. Camera. My brother set up a camera in the very middle of his house once, and I was like, I just want to capture, you know, some real life. Just real life. And like, fine. I don't. I don't blame him for that idea. But right. I told him, you know, most of it, ninety-five percent of it's going to be completely unwatchable because it's going to be boring. It's not interesting. Um, but Most then, of our lives are not interesting. But then, yeah, also the rest of it, if, even stuff that might be mildly interesting, he would have to like ask somebody else to edit for you. And he, he did for a while. He had a YouTube channel that was kind of documenting some of their adventures to the zoo and adventures to the hay field and things. Right. Um, well, and, the, and that is part of the reason that people become disenfranchised or disillusioned with their marriages is that they've watched television and they've watched movies, which are not real, but your brain can't tell the difference. And your brain goes, man, my relationship doesn't look anything like that relationship. Even though that clip took eight takes and mm -hmm. editing and... Well, if, you're, right. if your ideal marriage is one in which you can share pictures of the two of you on social media and get a lot of responses, then yeah, you better get divorced because people are way more interested in why is this psychotic woman sh sharing pictures of her ex-husband than they are of, hey, you know, it's our uh, 16th anniversary you know, right. <laughs> it's our 12th anniversary or whatever. Like, right. that's not nearly as clickable and interesting as, no, no. People, hey, guys, we are want to turn look at this funny drama. thing we were talking about and dreaming about and fantasizing about divorce before we even got divorced. Isn't that weird and hysterical? Don't you want <laughs> to right. wa don't you want to make a judgment about that? Yeah. Right. So well, real life is boring. Just, yeah. And, and it, it, the the. The social media thing, I, I was talking about this week at work with the, we've got a client who is obsessed 
with branding. And mm. we got another client. That <gasps> they're obsessed with making sure that everything is all branded. They've hired a, uh, a branding person. They've hired a person now to manage their branding. Mm. And uh, so that's one side. And, and they're telling me that they, they made me take some posts down because wasn't on brand because it's not going to match the branding yeah right and it's like okay and we got another guy who was upset with me because all my stuff looks the same <laughs> so i've got so i've got him take telling me to take stuff down and that and then i've got these other people but but i'm taking stuff down for completely different reasons like if they if they yeah. would just change positions i would be doing a perfect job for both of them <laughs> Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because there is a uh, misunderstanding that many people have about TikTok, YouTube, uh, Facebook, social media in general. And that misconception is that that a lot of people really care about what you're putting up. You know, that mm-hmm. you're, you're putting something up on Facebook and, oh my gosh, this is your brand this is, it's super important that you communicate to the world this particular message. And it's like most of social media doesn't even know that you're alive, let alone that you've posted anything. Yeah. And, and, and most of it is professionally post. run and all sounds the same anyway. And it doesn't matter. It, 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 people just swipe, 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 swipe. I have, uh, I told the story several times this week about being the uh, focus of the family. 2006 focus on the family 2016's top 10 and then when they got ready to rebroadcast my episode they called me and said get your website ready you know we go out to millions and millions of people Mm -hmm. and they do they have millions of listeners Mm -hmm. and i sold two dvds i got we i think we had a, a handful of inquiries and and they weren't anything like they were they were mostly questions about where can i get you know, where's your website? <laughs> just stuff like, but for millions and millions of people, none of the clients, nobody that's putting stuff out on social media, it has the attention of millions and millions of people like I did for a for a, a forty five minutes with focus on the family, especially with the hidden algorithms and stuff that are out there too. Right. I mean, it's just not reaching that many. It's not reaching that many. But even if it was, I know firsthand how little that matters. Because you don't interrupt people's days. You know, people, even people listening to Focus on the Family, where I was the featured speaker, it was my episode and it was popular, but, but it didn't change anybody's life. People didn't go, oh, we've got to find out more about John Brandy. We're going we're gonna to become followers, we're going to become entrenched disciples no, in John Brandy. Most of the people who are inquiring, to give the actual example, we usually get questions from other content creators wanting to borrow the three pigs script to perform it at their Shakespeare festival or to put it on their website or share it on their social media stream because they are also trying to just get some people to stop by at their page for a few seconds. And so it's, it's this like, it's nice that they do that instead of just throwing your stuff in a devotional. Well, for every person, for every person, yes. Hello, our daily bread for every person who contacts us and asks for permission. I'll bet there's a hundred people that just use it. Well, and I don't, Honestly, I don't really mind either way. I've never once turned anybody down when they request it. No, it doesn't bother me. You can't. So I've said for years, if you write good content, it's going to get stolen. So Right. Well, and that's what made Tim Hawkins. He knew that people were 
going and using their cell phone videos to record him at his shows. And so instead of saying, oh, absolutely no recording, we're going to no throw you out the back if we catch your phones yeah, out. He was like, he yeah, was like, put it on Facebook. Put it on Facebook or put it on YouTube and tag me in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that ended up, you know, generating more followers for him, which was brilliant. Now everybody knows that. It's like, duh. But, you know, 12 years ago or whatever, that was nobody really had a, a blueprint for how to do that. And he was right. doing it. Well, so. and here's the other thing that that is that you touched on is that Tim Hawkins has got, yeah, he's got a whole bunch of followers, but he didn't get those followers on social media. He got those followers because they found him on social media after seeing, you know, something else that he'd done. Now there are going to be people who are going to go, wait a minute. What about YouTube? What about viral YouTube videos? Yeah. Viral YouTube videos 20 years ago. You know, it's you. You gotta you gotta remember that social media has expanded and ballooned geometrically right. from when Tim Hawkins did his first viral video. Right, and his only competition back then was Charlie bit my finger. Like there was exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that that's right, and and but people don't know that, and so you got a bunch of kids coming in now. It's like I'm going to be a social media influencer too, and it's like you just have no idea. There there is so much content. It gets so, put out every single day. I want to talk briefly about branding because when you said the word brand, it triggered it triggered the conversation Luke and I had earlier today that was brief. About branding? Well, because Luke was listening to a podcast, and I don't know this podcast. I didn't even listen to any of it. I just heard his description of it. But, but boy, did she have opinions. <laughs> but I'm going to let typical. you talk about it because um, – my understanding was that this podcast is meant to help comedians find their voice and also by by you know extension their brand right and it was not really it was not a podcast it was an interview with Steve North okay a comedy coach been around for decades um, and when you brought up Tim Hawkins, it also sparked me because it would be very difficult for somebody to steal Steve Hawkins, not Steve Hawkins, <laughs> Tim Hawkins, Tim Hawkins material <laughs> and use it as their own because it's so definitively his. Um, and, right. and you would say yourself when you're on stage, you are exaggerating certain parts of your quirks and personality right. higher than they would be in normal life. And that's sort of what he gets into is he's finding, he uses uh, I love Lucy, like Lucille ball, um, that she's not just a ditzy Woman, that's not what makes her funny. What makes her funny is that she is um, a, a liar and a cheat. That's, but she, but she does that, you know, as a way of saving other people from pain. She thinks so. She's doing it in an innocent manner. But like, if she broke Ricky's guitar, she wouldn't go and tell him, "Hey, I'm sorry, I broke your guitar." She would right. try to fix it right. with super glue and fail, and it'd be funny. Right. And then if she went to the store to replace it, she wouldn't get the exact one. She'd get a cheap knockoff and try to right. Yeah, well, that's, that's the essence of sitcoms, anyway. Yeah, sitcoms yeah. are all—it's always some minor little conflict that happens in a sitcom, and right. they blow it way out of proportion trying mm-hmm. to fix the problem. Right. And so he he talks about a whole list of comedians and what their flaw is, what their blind spot to that flaw is, and then their agenda. But my and he goes through it that way. So my point to Luke was, I don't see how this is going to be helpful to somebody who's trying to like break into the comedy business. I don't think that studying all of these other comedians is going to do anything other than to cause the newbie to either want to imitate one of those or like, 
you can't talk about uniqueness and then encourage another person to find their own uniqueness because just by trying to do it, you're already, <laughs> you're, you're already failing. Like, yeah. you know, he talks about like, if you're writing a whole bunch of material and you don't really know, you know what your quote character is, you're just buying a whole bunch of furniture for a house that you don't have. You don't know what style house this is or how many rooms or how big we're trying to throw a party and you don't know what the theme is. It's like, you need to know that before you start buying the stuff and filling it up. Right. Which I, I mean, it sounds good on the surface. It sounds good to people who aren't comedians and don't know who they are and are wanting to listen to podcasts in order to fix that problem. But I use, I use the example of the, of the uh, writing program that I was in in college. And I said, I got this feeling when I was sitting in all of those classes. And it wasn't just one, you know, every single class that I was in through three years of being there. I got even more and more. I got this impression like this is not helping the kids in this class. I don't who think that's a direct worst. translation because a, a, people don't read a certain writer because, oh, I just love their style so much. It's, they, it's can you tell a good story? They absolutely See, I do. I would suggest to use, to, to use the analogy that was presented. I would suggest that when you buy furniture before you have a house, that is your style. I mean, this, the furniture that you go and pick out and collect is going to be representative of your style. And so then to go, well, I don't know what the house is going to be designed. Yes, you do. You already picked out the furniture. And if you pick out the wallpaper and if you pick out the appliances, those are all things that are going to tell you what your style is, what your, what your voice is. And so I would, I would suggest that the, just the act of collecting material or writing material, whatever you want to say, you're going to do that in accordance with your style. What's not necessary then is to go back and try to go, all right, what's my brand? It's because your brand is already in the material. And where I think a lot of people make mistakes is that, to your point, Peach, that they do overanalyze it. And they, and they go, well, I'm not doing it right because right. I have That is on brand for me to overanalyze. It is on, it is on brand is for fair. you to overanalyze. Right, and that's true. That's fair. I'm, I'm neurotic, I'm learning. I yes. I'm obsessive and neurotic. Right. And, and that is one of my, that's my flaw. But, I, but my blind spot is that I think that this is how everybody should do it. Right. I think that I'm the rational one. Right. You know what I mean? And that is well, what Well, everybody thinks to. they're the rational one. But see, yeah. but, but what you're doing now is you're being very specific about what sort of material you should be writing. You should have a whole bit about that. I, and, I should. and it should be woven into all the rest but of I'm your bits. But I'm just now sort of figuring this out, having heard this kind of analysis from right. Steve so. the, the, the Now. The thing that is unnecessary is trying to, is, is spending too much time, too much time trying to label your yes. brand or okay. trying to fit into what you think your brand is supposed to be. Your brand is who you are. I've, I've had this conversation with, with comics who have been a, doing it a lot longer than you have. Mm -hmm. And, and there it blows me away to have them go, oh, I'm still trying to find my voice. It's like, <laughs> what are you even talking about? Yeah. You've got three DVDs. You've been can, doing this for 15 years. You don't know help your them. voice. I can help them in five seconds. I can say, you are not allowed to listen to whatever podcast you've been listening to this <laughs> last week. I bet you will instantly feel better. You will feel more creative and more effective the moment, well, maybe not the moment, but within days of turning off whatever thing that that guy is put, putting out, or a woman, if it's a woman's podcast, Whatever that content creator is putting out, they are also trying to build a career. They are also right. trying to make money. And they make their money off of gullible, insecure 
people. And I well, I'm, you didn't have to say gullible. Well, this is this We're is talking, the writing program. He's right here. No, no, I'm, talk, I'm talking about the people who I went to school with now. Which oh, Luke wasn't you're not talking about Luke anymore. No, no, not. I'm definitely. I don't think Luke is gullible. Nothing about Luke is gullible. I don't or, think Luke. <laughs> I don't think Luke is gullible. I wouldn't. Just, <laughs> I wouldn't he's describe sad. him as gullible. In fact. Kind of the opposite. I mean, Lucas. Lucas, look how he kills moles. No. You know, he didn't. How many podcasts did you listen to to find out if you're if you're killing moles correctly? He I watched, watched three videos. He watched <laughs> videos on YouTube for that. Right, right. Yeah. But now he's not obsessing with. Well, oh, I'm not sure this no, is the best way to Dad, do it. I Maybe there's another you, way no, to do it. No, no. Maybe I should change Luke, up my stance. Be honest. Have you struggled with the fact that it's not on brand for you to go out and hunt moles? Has that have a, I struggled with? Yeah. That? Has it occurred? To you that it's going to be hard for you to inc- include that in your comedy set no at that's all. very on brand for me to watch that's something totally on brand for him and, well, and believe that i can do it for no reason whatsoever neuro- <laughs> it's on brand for your newly discovered neurosis but like to be on brand for like you don't have a brand yet now, let me tell you what one of my <laughs> fantasies is oh the samples are here the samples just got here we have to wrap this up okay i would love to deliver a baby on my own and out in the middle, no help. That like, I believe that I can that? do anything. And right. Just I just want to prove myself. Okay. Well, the point the point is he is he is strangely confident about most things. The most. Point and is, it's it's it is a little weird that he's like so uncertain about his voice in comedy. I believe that I can do anything if I have the proper amount of time to research it first. See, and that's it. Uh, there is a, there's an unmistakable, undoubtable effect that happens when people go to the classroom first and they mm-hmm. want to go to lectures and they want to go to conferences. That's true. We've talked about writing that's conferences true. before. All the kids who had the worst grades would go to those to try to improve. And I knew, and I suspect our professors knew too, but they weren't being honest, that that conference was not going to improve those people. It's that, where way, they needed to be it's that way with everything. The people yeah. who were going to make it anyway and go to the conference are the same ones who was going to make it in the end. Right, but why? They might get a couple of pointers, but otherwise, it's just... I don't know. I don't know why. So then why have the conferences at all? And why have the podcasts at all? Well, because like you have said in the past, there's value in hearing that you're doing it correctly. And I... There's there's value in having somebody say, yeah, you're on the right track. Even if I don't find this helpful, and I have, it is entertaining for me. I enjoy the science of comedy and talking about comedy. and So it's not worthless. Yeah. Let him have that. And also... And also... That's fair enough. Uh, also, stop. teach me how to project. Yes, teach him how to project and stop publishing pictures of your ex on Facebook. Say, Nobody wants to see say that. Say goodbye from your gut. Goodbye. Ooh, you almost... Yeah. Goodbye! Say, say see you next time. See ya! <laughs> <laughs>for visiting the comedian's house. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.